Hey, this is Brian Johnson. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. The show is brought to you by Pariah Pickups. What you want, what you need, and what you love. Check them out at pariahpickups.com. The show is also brought to you by Fleming Properties. Steve Fleming is one of my best buddies. And if you're looking to buy or sell your home in Canada or the U.S., reach out to Steve at FlemingProperties.com. And lastly, don't forget to check out the Thursday Night Record Club show on the Brent Jensen Music YouTube channel. All right, today on No Sleep Till Subbury, Whiskey Jack band leader Duncan Fremlin makes his triumphant return to the show. And this time he brought a friend with him. Duncan and Douglas John Cameron comprised the very popular vocal country duo known as Doogie and Dunn, two fine gentlemen who tour across Canada performing their show entitled Whiskey Jack Presents Stories and Songs of Stump and Tom. Two very talented musicians and fantastic people too. Here they are. All right, guys, welcome. Thanks for doing the show with me. I appreciate it. Nice to be here. You bet. In my home. It's a lovely home. Downstairs Thank in you your studio. Much. Yeah. Now, Duncan, we know you already, so we don't really have to talk to you today. Mom's the word. <laughs> Thank goodness. He was, he was just on the show a little while ago. But Duncan is here and he brought a friend, Douglas. And so Doogie and Dunn is the name of the outfit. I'm Doogie. He's Dunn. <laughs> if we knew we were going to achieve such fame and success, we would have given more thought to the name of the duo. But uh... we're an, we were an accidental band. There was no thought put into the creation of this band. We we were asked. We were actually part of another band called Whiskey Jack, right? Which is Duncan's band for many many years, which I've recently been become part of. And but um, the Good Brothers were doing a show in Hamilton. And um, for various reasons, they couldn't do their full set. They'd had some health issues. And so there was, you know, some question whether they would be able to fill the time. So they said, why don't you guys come mm. and do a little opening act and that'll help to fill out the evening. And so we, we did. But they said, well, you have to have a name. And so we just said, oh, Doogie and Dunn. On the spot. Doogie and Dunn. And then the next thing I know, we are an actual group. And Bruce couldn't really, he didn't know how to say it no, no when one, he first saw it, so it was kind of funny. What is this, Doug? Nobody, nobody gets it with Doug. <laughs> but it's fun. It is. It is fun. And you guys um, actually are, you, you make a good team with the breadth of your experience. So Stomp and Tom band leader, Juno-nominated singer-songwriter. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So. Well, and, 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 and I think we also complement each other in that, Duncan has a lot of skills and experience that I don't have related to business and promotion and all of those things. I have skills recording, arranging, all that kind of stuff. Perfect. Um, and so I rely on Duncan, in fact, to do all these things that I, that I was never any good at. Mm -hmm. and in fact, have never really done. And I rely on Douglas to do all the things that I wasn't <laughs> any good at, like music. <laughs> um yeah, so it's a good team. Yeah, it is. We're also good friends. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I've always been very lucky that I've been able to play music with people I really liked and been in various bands and in various groups over the years. Where And you you've, you have a different kind of ex experience and relationship when you play in a band or when you play with somebody. Certainly. It, it's, yeah, I don't know quite how to describe it. You become connected. It's like a marriage, Brent, in many ways. Really? Oh my mm -hmm. God. No, it is. Sorry. 
Really? Well, you're pretty close for long period, long periods of time, and you have to talk about money, which often complicates relationships. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much of it. We don't have much to talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short conversation. Let's talk. <laughs> it's a short conversation. Uh, and there's only at the most two digits, two zeros at the end of it. Yeah, so. we're we're making tens of dollars. <laughs> Especially now that we're we're about to enter into the whole world of streaming because we're working on mm. a, a recording at the moment, and it's very close to being finished. Which means, in very short order, you'll be able to listen to Doogie Doogie and Dunn on all the streaming platforms. Perfect. Yeah. So now we're going for the big bucks, right? Now, I mean, now. The streaming money is just going to come pouring oh. in. The the point zero 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 one cent that we're going to get for every. Stream. I'm shopping for a new banjo right now. Yeah, yeah. Back the Brinks yeah. truck up. We can't wait. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. can't wait for the accolades. Right. Well, we're, we're always Sorry. we're always trying to. Am I not taking this serious enough? You no, are. Sorry. We're always trying to expand our audience. We're always trying to. You know, we're using your platform, for example, to expose. Our music to your audience because we have different <clears throat> audiences and my my guess is our audience is quite a bit older than your audience and uh, so i think in moving forward in 2023 it's so hard to get attention anywhere anytime it's true that uh, any opportunity we get to be able to play for a different we played for niagara on the lake classical music festival a few years ago and what a joy it was to be able to play to people that really didn't know this music at all we got a standing ovation so i'm not we surprised think, we think the music has wide appeal even though it's dated in terms of when it was written and so we've had to do some things with the, the stomp and tom music for example to make it more accessible to a different demographic we're going to give you an example of that i was going to say that's a good segue into you know you guys were good enough to bring your instruments you're going to perform today which yeah. i appreciate and you are going to do uh, you have a little surprise actually I think well, you're going to do let's start let's start with uh, uh, we rearranged Tom's classic song around the band back again and it's it's about as Canadian or as Ontario as you can get we'll just do a verse in the chorus of that see how it goes please one two three four ferryman ferryman have you seen my Marianne in my search for her, I've been around the bay and back again. From Espanola to Manitoulin, around the channel I'm bound. Another story in Tobermory, said my gal was in Hepworth town. Well, I was right behind her, but I couldn't find her. I guess I'll have to stay without my lovely on Lonely Island. In the middle of the Georgian Bay Ferryman, ferryman Have you seen my Marianne? In my search for her I've been around the bay and back again Now, the thing about that song, Bravo. Right, right off the bat, yep. I listened to your interview with uh, Kevin Bright the other day. Yes, nice. And I made left me wondering, why isn't this called uh, No Sleep Till Espanola? Because I discovered that in reality, you're not from Sudbury at all. You're well, from Espanola. I was born in, in Espanola. Okay. Yeah. It's Since, easier when you tell people who don't know what Espanola is, because a lot of people don't. 
I've found myself in that situation many times where you say, you know, where are you from? Espanola. What? Yeah. Where? <laughs> yeah. So I say Sudbury and they say, okay, I know where that is. Place that looks like the moon. That's right. So anyway, speaking uh, of, yeah. So let's take, give them a taste of, uh, so Sudbury, uh, where, uh, where we used to, we did some shows with, uh, the right honorable Adrian Clarkson yes. a few years ago. And so I asked her one day, I said, uh, I thought it'd be fun to take Sudbury as a poem and have her read it as a, as a, you know, an academic would read. So she just started the song by reading the first few lines as a poem and it, the audience got it right away. Right. So we've kind of taken that idea, and Douglas came up with a, a kind of a different intro. Well, the girls are out to bingo, and the boys are getting stinko. We think no more of Inko on a Sudbury Saturday night. Oh, the glasses, they will twinkle. Their eyes begin to tinkle And we think no more of Inco On a Sudbury Saturday night <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. Yes. That is definitely... Um, and I have, to, I have to say, I was not the person who, who concocted that idea. There's a jazz quartet... Uh, in Edmonton, and I, mm. I I don't remember the name of the quartet, but they did a version of this um, that I kind of was inspired from. And wow, that, I love that. We have That's a lot great. of fun with that song. Yeah, and it's a great song, tremendously great song. Well, we're on the north. The north. So we take Tom's songs, and this is one song that we actually rearranged and got to play it for Tom. Okay. At the previous, at the last birthday party we played. And so I got up and I played it and I looked, I told him beforehand it was going to be a little different. I wanted to know how he f felt about it. So we played it, we played it and, and he gave me that little nod of approval. He liked it. So uh, it's, it's about the suit. So let's oh. just do the intro of that. Fast. There we go. One, two, one, two, three, four. Tom liked that. Tom liked that. He did like How that. could he not? It was even on the, uh, they did a compilation CD with Blue Rodeo and George Canyon, Corbeland and Us. Mm. And uh, that was the song that they, they chose to put on that CD. That was the first CD they, his, his record label released after after he died in 2013 or 14. But Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway. Well done. So let's do one more. One more? Just, uh, one more and then we're going to so, get into your songs. Yeah. The beautiful one about this one is... Uh, it's TTC, Skid Adler. And we think the TTC should use this as a theme song, but whatever. 
I've been a streetcar driver about a dozen years. Know that old Toronto city well. There's a whole lot of people waiting on the track for the signal from my clanging trolley bell. So put the worm on the wire, open up the switch, get old Rattler buzzing through. She's yellow on the bottom, she's red around the top, and I drive her like a driver on a do. Cause I'm a TTC skedaddler. I'm gonna rock it to my big red rattler. I'm gonna sock it to my big red rattler. Nice. <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't sung that one in a while. I'm not sure what a big red rattler is, but I was going to say I don't know what that um, is either. Yeah, that's. Re- I think that song is really interesting because my impression of Stompy Tom before I learned that song was that he didn't write songs about Toronto. Mm. That he was someone who wrote songs about all these other, you know, towns, Sudbury, the Sioux, right. variously. But that, to me, that's a really great version of uh, Toronto. TTC. And he, of course, he also wrote that song about the Don Jail. So that's the thing. A lot of people don't know about, you know, songs that are maybe further in the, in the depth of the catalog. They know the Sudbury Saturday Nights. Thousand of them. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's it, right? They don't know the breadth of the catalog either. Yeah. So there are a ton of songs. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great ones. Really Definitely. Great uh, okay. Shall we get into your songs? Yeah. We should say at this point that they are not songs. They're actually records. Trying to get him to agree to anything. Well, no, but part of part, so part of the challenge was first of all that we had to do this together, right? Which was an interesting experience because it immediately halved your song selections. Well, generally we have a similar kind of musical world, but I, when 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 I was starting to think about this, I had to admit that it wasn't so much songs that leapt out at, at me as sort of albums mm-hmm. that had songs. Yes. You know, maybe for me, I winnowed it down. It was like, oh, well, that, you know, that record and then the, the particular song on it. I love that, Douglas. It's great because that is, uh, I, and I say this to people all the time, you know, I love Spotify for the convenience of it, but I hate it for the fact that people pick and choose songs from here, there and everywhere without understanding the, the, the message that an album is intended to provide. Well, and, and yeah, certainly in my youth, well, they're not making albums anymore, is what I read. Bob right. left its column, so. Yeah, which is well, you know, some of the some some bands do. There's a band, Crownlands, that uh, you know they're they're in their twenties and they just put a record out, which I love that and I applaud mm-hmm. that. But I I think this is great, and you've got five great selections here, so let's get into them. Not sure I remember what we selected. Well, Abbey Road's maybe the first one. It is the Beatles. Yeah. Now, what made you pick this one of all of the Beatles records? Well, I know why I did. So when I was in high school, just getting out of high school in Midland, I played in a band, and the band was called Land. Okay. Um, it was kind of a local band. And we did the entire second side of Abbey Road. That was our big thing. I had joined that band. They had, they had been a horn band, and they did um, Chicago and stuff. And they had, nice. So when I joined, we did the whole second side of Abbey Road. That's that was the Beatles album that I interacted with the most. Okay. Um, was it released in '69? Was it? I think it was '69. I believe so. It was either eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. So I discovered Hash in August of 1968, <laughs> yep. and uh, this came out 
John Wesley Harding was my introduction to hash. Okay. And then this came out. Then I discovered marijuana. And so <laughs> it, it left an impression. You know, I listened to it a lot, <laughs> shall I say. Well, and the other thing about this this record, I mean, the Beatles were a, an incredible phenomenon. Mm. But to me, Abbey Road was sort of like a crowning achievement. You know, they had in, initially, they were the mop top guys with the singles, you know, then they began to become much more experimental. And Abbey Road was almost, to me, like some kind of symphonic, you know, it wasn't just rock and roll band. It was this whole, it was this whole, which I guess they had been all along in many ways, especially with George Martin and all that. I, I think that that's a great point, though, Douglas, and I think that it was not evidenced any more than on this record. I know exactly what you mean by that. Well, and I also... Um, I've had the experience of driving with Duncan from Halifax to Toronto in one go. I love putting on the Piccolo channel on Spotify. And you're Spotify. still alive. And you're, he li- you're, and you're still alive. Listening to the Beatles uh, Sirius channel, XM radio, Sirius whatever it's XM. called, all the way from Halifax, uh, 18 hours of yeah. Beatles. And, uh, I, and also the other really wonderful thing was George Martin's son's mm. uh, remixes of a lot of the Beatles oh. albums, which are pretty remarkable too. really yeah i didn't know that that happened he remixed the white album and he revolver revolver really he was also involved in mixing the huge beatles movie that seven hour mm. thing. and mm. one of the things that they were able to do using ai is they were able to take mono mixes and separate out all the instruments so in other words and, and i have a young piano student now who does this with his computer mm-hmm. um you can, you can you can send him a mix, and with AI they can take out the drums, right. they can take out the bass, they can take out the guitar. And George Martin did, or George Martin's son, did that with um, the most recent one. I think it's Revolver. And if you watch that Beatles movie, which I admittedly have not watched all of it, mm. they were working in these almost ancient studios oh, yeah. with. The funniest looking little microphones, mm-hmm. the weirdest looking mixing boards, um, not high, not the high tech studios no. that that you know came about in the eighties, and and yet they created music that I don't think people can create today. But I think that the instrumentation and the the equipment that they used adds uh, an organic charm to the music. Yeah you're inclined to say, hey, wouldn't it be great if the Beatles could have recorded in the 80s with all the reverb and all the, you know, all the help that they could have gotten in the studio? But I, I think the answer for me would be no, because I think it would radically change, you know, how the music comes across. Well, there you go. So I love your next pick, Joni Mitchell's Blue. What a record. What does it mean to you, Duncan? I- yes, it's a, it was a solitary period in my life where, I was withdrawn. It was just a period where, and I listened to it endlessly mm. because it had a solitary feel to it. I always think of, when I think of that album, I think of Alone. So that's mm-hmm. the whole, any song on that album does it for me. Which you picked A Case of You, was it? Well, the, the song in particular is A Case of You. So the, for me, there's, I was a huge Joni Mitchell fan as a kid. And that album came out the summer of 1971. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it came out, the day before I had to leave to go away for the whole summer. Uh, I was going on a musical tour called Summer Sound 71, and the album came out, and the next day I had to leave. And it was before the era of Walkmans and all of that. 
So I listened to the record all day. Mm. I took it home. I sat in my bedroom and listened to it all day and memorized it so that when I was away all summer, I would be able to listen to it in my head. That's amazing. And then the following uh, winter, 72, I went for the first time to Massey Hall mm. to hear Joni Mitchell perform that album, basically. Wow. And Jackson Brown was opening for her. Oh, no way. And it, was, it was a famous tour. Later, I found out it was this famous tour of hers where she toured North America and probably the world and performed that album. It was really quite remarkable. And Case of You, uh, the other thing about Case of You is that many, many years later, she recorded an orchestral version of it that is heartbreaking mm. that I would listen to. And every time I heard it, I would, I would cry. Mm -hmm. I think it was a real defining kind of... Uh, record for her? Record for her, record for me. I mean, the fact that I listened to it all day so that when I went away for the rest of the summer, I would at least have it in my head. And I, like I also, uh, the other thing is, uh, on, on Case of You, she played a dulcimer, which I'd never heard of. And I ended up buying a dulcimer oh. as a result of, which wow. I still have. There you go. Yeah, great record. My Old Man is a fantastic song. I think it's the second tune on the record. And there's a really nice change. Just really well-written songs, you know. I had heard a story... I told this story before on the show, I believe, but James Taylor told her after he heard that record, he said, you know what, Joni, you're giving too much of yourself away. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, you're sharing too much of your, your personal life in these songs. And it feels like you're really leaving too much out there for people. You shouldn't do that. But I think she does. Yeah. Well, I think the two of them in many ways invented the genre. I mean, Have you heard the Amchitka recordings? No. The, the two of them raised money to fight Nixon's nuclear testing on oh, the really? Chick Islands. Mm. And there's an album about with the two of them. And she does one song from Blue. And I can't remember what it is, but it's new to her and she can't she has to play through it on the piano a couple of times to figure out what, what the ending it's, it's it's pretty unique. It's a wow. unique uh, it's a new, unique uh, viewpoint of these two performers. So, yeah. Mm. Well, and also very poignantly most recently James Taylor, amongst others, performed at the Gershwin Awards, mm -hmm. and he sang California, and he played on that album. He played on the Blue Album. He did, yeah. He played guitar, yeah. Uh, another record of that same type of era and genre, Crosby, Stills, Nash, their their debut record of the same name. Fantastic pick again. Go ahead. <laughs> well, again, the whole you, thing it changed a generation. You know, it really, it changed everything at that time when it first came out. It uh, did. And remarkably, you're a little bit older than me, Duncan, aren't you? So I was 13. I was 12 or 13 when that record came out. I had a good friend. I grew up in Midland, and my best friend from Midland had moved to Toronto and was living in Scarborough. And, of course, as a result, he was getting everything before we were getting anything in minute. So, like, 10-speed bikes. Right. He had a 10-speed bike before I even knew what a 10-speed bike was. He was hearing music that I had never heard of. And I went to visit him in, in Scarborough. And his parents were devout Christians, mm. very devout Christians. But he set me up in his living room, and he, he had a pair of headphones, which I had never listened to music with headphones before. Oh. And he said, here, listen to this. And he put on that album. Mm. And as Duncan said, my world changed. I was 12. 
I was about to enter into the whole teenage world and, you know, the, the hippie world and all oh, that. Yeah. So I listened to this music and I thought two things. I thought, this is what I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want to be, whatever this is, I want to be this. And the second thought I had was, I've never smoked marijuana, but this must be what it is to smoke <laughs> marijuana. Um, there was, and I think, I think part of it was, is that, you know, as did Joni Mitchell, as did James Taylor, they took the musical forms that, that everybody, you know, songs, mm-hmm. um, pop music, and they infused it with something so personal and so poetic that you couldn't help but feel that, that the world was changing. And yep. I, think, I think you've nailed it, Duncan. Yeah. It's the harmonies again. Oh. It's, the, it's, the, uh, it's, it's really the, the only thing that's driven. It's the most consistent thing of all the variations of Whiskey Jack over the last 46 years. That's been consistent. The rhythm section has changed. The backup instruments have changed, but the harmony's always been there. That's always been the reason that I do this. And uh, so that was the, the one that brought it all together for me. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I always loved about this record, Stephen Stills, I mean, it's a great combination, even before Young joined, of, you know, all kinds of things. But Stills in particular did something that Graham Parsons, remember Graham Parsons, um, did in in taking folk and country and kind of almost molding it into into rock structure, right? Or making it more kind of acceptable to be played for wider audiences. And really I, was country, wasn't it? it yeah, had a real flavor to I, it. I, I think so, but it but it's in a, it's almost wrapped in a rock package in some ways, and it kind of it was very smart of him to do because it made it more mainstream, and they developed a wider audience. Fantastic record. Uh, next, this is one I'm not super familiar with, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and the album is Will the Circle Be Unbroken? I alluded to this last time when we chatted a few weeks ago or months mm-hmm. ago. Uh, this is the one that sort of take think Crosby, Stills, Nash, and bring California into the picture and bring Nashville and marry the two. So you got California, Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, you got Nashville, Earl Scruggs, Roy Acuff, you bring those two together, and Mother Maybell. And again, that's that's the reason I play banjo. It's the reason I'm in this band. Mm. It's because of that album. It's a three album set. The story behind it's fascinating in and of itself, but the music that came out of it again ch- just took this instrument, this music, to an incredibly higher level and exposed it to way more people. Yeah. So so when I was growing up, even though I heard I heard country music all the time, it was on the radio. My dad had records, Buck Owens. Hank Williams Mm. but in the world that I lived in as a teenager country music was anathema it was you know the music of of either a different generation or a different kind of person we listened to rock and roll we listened to folk but the nitty-gritty dirt band as as Duncan said went to Nashville and recorded with all these bluegrass musicians and country musicians Mm. and suddenly country music was cool and uh, because I'd had all this exposure to it as a kid, it's it's a world that I that I'm really quite comfortable in. And in fact, I would probably think the first music that I was exposed to and played before I became a hippie and a musician in that regard was country music. And yeah. so suddenly it was okay. Whereas before it, you, you know, we didn't listen to country music. We we listened to you know Santana. 
Yes, of course. In Chicago, we, we yeah. were not interested in, you know, Buck Owens and stuff like that. It was so radically different back then, too. I think about when I was a kid, like, you know, Tammy Wynette and Loretta Lynn and George Jones, and it was, it was only, like, it was depressing. Right. <laughs> it was tough to listen to. So for, especially for a kid, you wanted to get out and listen to the Santanas and the, the Doors and Hendrix and all that other stuff. No, the, and the, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, also on that album, they did a song by Mike Nesmith from hmm. the Monkees called Some of Shelley's Blues, which was a song I always really loved. And I think for Whiskey Jack, it, it's, an, it's a very important touchstone. Isn't all it? of these records, all these albums changed the landscape. Uh, all of them, and this one maybe more than the others for me. Well, this next one certainly did. Led Zeppelin two. Well, we we had a little bit of a discussion, right? Did you want Led, Led, Led Zeppelin? Zeppelin one, but uh, didn't matter because uh, this is the these are the LSD years. Uh, yeah. So we went from hash <laughs> to marijuana to LSD. Never did make it to heroin or cocaine. I was going to uh, ask that earlier. No, I never. No, got thank God. Me. Thank God. But this is this so again my, changed the landscape for you know for rock music. Mm-hmm. So my my family, we had never had a stereo. We'd had a mono record player, this little thing, but we never had a stereo. And my dad signed us up for this record club. You get a, a record every month. Is it like Columbia? Yeah, Columbia yeah. Record Club. Yep. And the, the kicker was he got this uh, round record player with these little round speakers. It looked like a spaceship. Oh. And it, but it was the first time we'd had stereo. And my brother and I were starting to buy records, and you know, um, my brother bought Led Zeppelin, the second album. Okay. And I came home from school one day, and my dad was sitting in the basement. We had an unfinished basement. We had a couch and the record player. And my brother and I would sit down there and listen to records. There's my dad sitting, listening to Led Zeppelin two, and there's the part in the record where it goes doo 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 the stereo oh, right. thing. And my dad is listening to this, and he's going, "Wow." This is really cool. And I'm looking at my dad and I'm thinking, you're not supposed to be down here listening to this music. What are you doing? Um, I think that that was another mind-expanding kind of record and a whole lot of love, you know. Oh. Years later, I worked at a, a store in Toronto called The Twelfth Fret, mm, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, Duncan and I are, are great fans of. And uh, I worked there for about a year in the guitar repair department. And I had mostly done work on acoustic guitars, so I kind of got to do all the acoustic guitar work, or a fair amount of it. But on occasion, I'd be asked to work on an electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd, you'd do whatever work, and you'd tune it up. And then we had this little amplifier to, te- you know, test out to make sure everything worked. So I would crank the little amplifier, and I'd play a whole lot of love. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the little workshop area. And so they call, they used to call me Doug Zeppelin. <laughs> but it was the only thing I could play was, you know, yeah. that was my only thing with Zeppelin. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I only worked there for a year. No wonder. And, Not surprised. Uh, well, it, it, what, I, I left because I'd, I'd, I was heartbroken. I, my girlfriend had dumped me and I couldn't stand living anymore. So I, w- I moved back to Peterborough. Yeah, it's a boring story. <laughs> but I kept the name Doug Zeppelin for quite a while. I like it. Yeah. So that is the end of your songs. Are you guys going to play us out with something? Yeah, we're going to play from our, this is our hit song. This is the one that's most most requested. This is a Doogie and Dunn song. This isn't in part of our Stomp and Tom show. Okay. So let me just tune out. So this song. 
this song is actually a song that originated out west and it it's a song about it was originally a song about coho salmon but my friend up in Perry Sound a guy named Tim Dyer who uh, runs a company called White Squall mm-hmm. and they do kayak trips on That's Georgia. I've heard that name yeah yeah they're they're a great a great outfitting kind of company and Tim is a guy I grew up with in Midland and he's a great lover of music he adapted this song for Georgian Bay I heard him sing it and I thought there's a great song so we've you tune up. You're So we've kind of done our own version of it. Hmm. It's the last one we recorded on our CD. This will soon be available on all streaming services. All right. Snug Harbor one morning I cast off my line The bay was all smooth weather just fine as for the mink islands i was headed that day see the white fish flash silver all over the bay see the white fish flash silver all over the bay it was just after dawn I reached the fish grounds I lit up my pipe and I let my lines down I lit up my pipe and I waited and prayed See the white fish flash silver all over the bay See the white fish flash silver all over Well, they made all that morning till well after two. They're so hungry they'd a bit at an old worn out shoe. Well, this must be heaven to myself, I did say. See the white fish flash silver all over the bay. See the white fish flash silver all over the bay. Silver all 
there's doctors and lawyers There's bankers and more There's big wheeler dealers With their big deals galore But let me be a trawler And king for a day See the whitefish flash silver All over the bay See the whitefish flash silver Guys, that's extraordinary. A nice song. It really, truly is. Well done. Yeah, it's a great song. That was really something. Yeah. I love the harmonies, and I love the interplay between the banjo and the guitar. Well done. I really like that. So now where can we see you guys play live? Well, at the end of April, we're uh, we're in uh, at the Moonshine, mm -hmm. which uh, your audience is very familiar with. Uh, April 23rd, Sunday afternoon, okay. and uh, 4 o'clock. It's not a big place, so uh, I don't know how many seats are left. But get there early. Get there. Well, phone. You have to phone John, and he'll take your name and credit card or whatever. So I really advise people to do that as soon as possible. Uh, but in the fall, uh, Douglas and I are busy throughout the summer doing parks, and we have a festival and various things that we 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 keep ourselves uh, fairly busy in the summer. But in the fall. We have a very exciting fall. Mm. We're doing something we've never done before. We're taking the Stomp and Tom show to the Orangeville Theater for three nights. And it might turn into be four or five, depending on ticket sales. Wow. But it's a run. that we've So it gives us a chance to, uh, ex they have a great multimedia presentation outfit. The hardware they have is great. So it's going to be a spectacular uh, variation on what we've been doing for the last nine years. Yeah. And, uh, so, and then we're going to Meaford and Bancroft and Tweed. It looks like the Sioux might be happening in there mm. as well. So we'll see. Anyway, this, the, the fall is going to be very busy. Yeah, That's great. Very nice. Good for you. Well done, guys. Thank you. Thanks again for coming. Oh, I really pleasure. appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Douglas John Cameron. What's your name again? Uh, I'm from the Sioux. Uh, oh, yeah, the Sioux yeah. guy. Duncan <laughs> Frumlin. Uh, right. Doogie and Don. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brent. All right. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen. Until next time, folks, take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 